0: Get updated with the hottest news in insurance, finance, and the newest innovation in insure tech and fintech in these difficult times. Hear it from one of the most known and respected voices in the industry, Dr. Robin Kiera, and his guest of
1: today. Hey guys, this is Insurance and Finance Live with a special uh, edition of it. We have the female founders and Introtech special edition with our partner, Kesney. Uh, thank you very much to for being here. Here we have two great founders, Sne Gina from uh, Introfy and Gentry from Anova Intelligence. And of course, Jennifer Byrne from Kesney, and also like the soul and heart of the female founders in Inchetech. Thank you very much for being here today. Thanks for having us.
0: Great to have you.
1: All right. We always ask, we never do an introduction because uh, you don't need one, but I always ask one thing, and that is, what is the one thing that the audience desperately needs to know and that was never said on stage before? Maybe Gentry, uh, you want to go first? Um, Yeah, that national
2: security and the insurance industries are mission aligned.
1: Wow, I will have a ton of questions for that. (laughs) Uh, Regina, how how about you?
0: That people want to talk to agents when they buy insurance.
1: Okay, that's interesting. Uh, I will also talk about that a lot. And and Jennifer, how about you?
3: I think that um, the amount of funding has to be more um, equitably distributed to really empower diverse founders of the future to better reflect
1: the customer segment yeah and my, and my thing is i actually will do vacation next week uh, and uh, my wife recently just told me robin are you sure about this It's the last day when we can cancel them like do you did you ever doubt me it's really funny because we needed to cancel the vacation or two because of some work stuff but um yeah hopefully she doesn't uh, look at and we will do vacation 100 all yeah. right um, what I really like about the female founders uh, in InshaTech is that you also like do research and you have numbers. And I was really shocked actually by one. Uh, no, everybody knows that I'm not an expert on that uh, on that on that field, but I was astonished. There was like three percent or very low, did one digit percent percentage of uh, funding that was uh, granted to female founders. Uh, I mean, we live in a marketplace. How does that how does that happen, Jennifer?
3: That's a great question. And I know um, Gentry and Snijina and a number of the founders in our community um, have a lot of um, background and and really um, specific examples of how that's happening. I think from what I hear from multiple founders, it's that most traditional VCs are uh, run by one gender, um, men. Um, So fewer than 9% of decision makers that can write checks are men. And there's just sort of a a human, uh, I guess, unconscious bias that uh, investors want to invest in people like them and people Mm -hmm. that they understand because they always point to the team as the most important aspect of the success of a a, uh, startup. And so that's what we hear quite often. Um, We also like to pull our community members, applicants, mentors, judges, everyone that's involved in female founders. Um, And even as recent as this week, some of the responses we obtained were that one of our entrepreneurs asked in terms of mentorship, could you help me um, overcome this bias of coming across as too aggressive yeah. Um, as a woman, because it provides cultural norms. So, that was a, a question that was posed and said, you know, mentor, can you help me with this? So, I, I thought that was uh, indicative of what's going on right now. And, you know, um, out fundraising is, is, is challenging, as uh, Najina and Gentry both know.
1: Uh, we will we, we we'll jump in a sec uh, to, in, into that topic. By the way, everybody who's watching our, right now on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, on our homepage, do not hesitate to ask questions or comment. Let us know if you experience something similar or what your ideas, yeah, ideas are. Super happy to, 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 to see this here also on the show. Um, Gentry, um, can you relate to that, what Jennifer just said? And, and how did it happen that you uh, achieved the funding?
2: Yeah, there, there's a lot of um, diversity theater, but not a lot of diversity action. So it's very um, uh, in vogue to say we support female founders. But when uh, you look at the majority of venture capitalists, they still have no women run, especially in, in tech and defense tech. Uh,
1: yeah.
2: It's all, all men uh, partners, all male um, uh, portfolio companies. So I. And I don't think um, like, like Jen was saying, I don't think it's intentional. I don't think anybody's sitting around going, we don't want any women. Um, but I do think that there's it's not unconscious, unconscious bias. it's a blatant bias. So a woman who is um, intense uh, aggressive, um, that that is who you want running your national security company, but sometimes uh, it comes off. Um, men take that the wrong way. You heard it here first. Some old white men have goes. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, I think that it's just the plain up. Do you have
1: a what? concrete story in mind where you were sitting somewhere and like, Oh my God, am I in the wrong movie?
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the story of my life. Really. I'll go to a meeting in the Pentagon in the morning. I'm briefing generals, um, talking about national security or, or future war. I'm speaking at a NATO conference, uh, next month about, um, battle space management and, and, Future war, multi-domain technologies, and uh, then I'll have an investor pitch with some dude bro VCs, and they treat me like I'm an idiot or I don't know what I'm talking about, and it, it's crazy-making because on one hand, in the morning I'm speaking with generals who are not my peers, yeah. so much more superior than me, and i have given uh, the respect and and um, huh. and attention one would normally get, but in the VC world, it's it's strange it, people. They ghost you. They don't email back. They are condescending. Um, it's it's crazy. It's it's and it's crazy making also.
1: So what you're saying, and, and I, I try to translate, is you are you are um, in the military echo defense ecosystem and in the VC ecosystem, and you experience like a more diverse atmosphere and respectful atmosphere in the defense space. What yes. I, I would not have guessed right away, but not in the yep. VC world. And that's like okay, wow, wow, okay. Yeah,
2: yeah wow. I know it's funny. You you would think that the military is more because again, even in that space, I'm one of the few women in the room, and yeah. you would think they would be more, you know, dude like. But um, military and intent and intelligence people are very good at ex, um, at evaluating people very quickly. So uh, there, I'll speak for you know three five minutes, and we'll say, okay, she knows what she's talking about. We listen. VCs, n- not so much.
1: Wow, Snejina, what is your experience here?
0: So I think that um, interesting, interesting question. But the bottom line is, uh, from our learnings, we've we've raised over almost thirty million of funding. Is that it is um, as we focus on execution, and we focus on revenue, and we focus on building a sustainable business sooner or later the funding comes. There is definitely a lot of hesitation. Everything that was uh, said is very uh, real. Um, There is a lot more focus on metrics, a lot more focus on numbers than uh, probably what I have heard other founders uh, have experienced. The idea about just selling on a big vision without supporting with numbers doesn't exist.
3: No, if you're a
0: yeah. founder, um, but ultimately, if you if you keep building a sustainable business, you will find the um, the VCs, you will find the strategic partners that are aligned with your mission, that are sold on the idea, that are transparent as it relates to how they might be able to support you, and they see beyond. Um, being a female as how successful you are or you could become as an entrepreneur. So um, as long as you can, I think that the pressure, the reason why it might be very difficult in the beginning is that VCs are very transactional and they're very signal focused. Which yeah. If I hear that my buddies in the um, city or in the area are all talking about the startup, then I'm interested but if I haven't heard anybody else talking about it, or if I haven't heard enough of people talking about it, then I don't know what to think about. And they're looking and seeing so many companies every day that they have to make very, very quick decisions. Yeah. So it's it's very much signaling and um, it is what it is. Ultimately, as long as you um, keep building a solid business and you're focusing on the uh on, on driving revenue and being sustainable, um it, it all worked well. out. For me, my advice has always been is that that we've always um raised money when we didn't need to. And we have always run the company as if um, the money that we have raised is our own money, which means being extremely prudent with the investment that we take, and um, and always uh, and being flexible. Like even today, we can be a profitable company day one. Tomorrow, if we just dial up the switch with marketing spend, um, so. These are a couple of um, pieces of advice that I'll give to any of our um, fellow female founders. It is hard, but it's possible.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Um, sorry, Jennifer, I yeah?
0: Just, yeah, I was just going to add that
3: um, what we've been trying to do with our program is literally to invite more men, decision makers, VCs, um, insurers who can start to build relationships with female founders earlier on, because a piece of advice that I always hear is to founders, network before you need the money. So start building those relationships. And so at the same time, a lot of female founders say, well, we don't think we have the right network. We're not we're not running in those circles. And so what we're trying to do is bring more, kind of start that flywheel and bring more uh, VCs, again, decision makers. And on a positive note, what I'm seeing in the insurance industry is that there is a willingness to engage as mentors, as judges. We're running all sorts of um, education modules um, in this year's program to better prepare founders to have those conversations, whether it's for fundraising, or how do I scale up? Or how do I partner with you? Yeah. Sure, what do you need? How do I use your APIs? How do I get access to your data? So we're really trying to empower founders, especially female founders, to be better equipped to have those conversations. And it's you know slow progress, but I think there's a willingness and. Um, You know, I'd like to also thank Robin um, for joining us as an ambassador to the program and helping us really get the word out to more founders in Europe and other markets as well. So we've seen a nice like geographic expansion as well. So more women around the world see that, yeah, there are resources and, you know, you gotta start building your network before you need the money in particular.
2: Also Jen, with with your tech background, Kesne has a reputation for having really done your due diligence. So the companies that you bring forward are pretty real deal, hardcore. Um, so it's uh, always or it was very useful for me um, to be to be affiliated. And, and you got me in front of the right uh, in front of some very lucrative partners pretty quickly.
3: Thank you. Now, that's great to hear. And, you know, I think part of the reason why we started this process is because we saw similar patterns in fintech in telco, in very, you know, sort of billion dollar industries that have been, let's say, not so diverse, but we've been able to learn, you know, positive messages through those prior experiences and then apply them to the insurance industry. And I think um, financial services is a bit ahead in terms of innovation and diversity, Mm -hmm. I would say. Um, I don't know if you would all agree.
1: No, I, yeah. uh, I have a question, I have a question because the, some uh, Snajina said um there is something hard about it, but I have to say, you know, there was also something hard especially when I looked at Gentry's homepage and I've led large IT uh, teams but I understand I understood only 10% of your homepage I have to say like VRAM Raptor Reconnaissance Systems APT activity um I felt very humble, I have to say. Uh, can you maybe explain a little bit to the audience uh, what, what you are doing um, uh, at, um, uh, at ANOVA Intelligence?
2: Yeah, it's it's a um, really cutting edge computational anomaly detection and data analysis software. But in plain English, that just means um, we're a national security company that uses math to find anomalies and more math to make sense of those anomalies. So, like I said, I think we're really aligned with the insurance um, I- industry because we are about protecting um, American and allied uh you know prosperity and freedom and ip and pii and financial transactions and financial data so given that um i thought there was an opportunity to make um uh insurance cyber insurance products better yeah. because they're not so awesome right now but they're getting better um, we collect the kind of data that actuaries need to um, accurately assess risk one of the reasons that you pay so much but don't get very much in return for cyber insurance is that actuaries are taking wild guesses they don't have a complete data set to make accurate yeah. predictions but that's, that's what, what
1: we have i'm sorry don't tell them
2: <laughs> no they know they know they know but i mean how can you no uh, in private industry does not want to disclose their cyber attacks for very good reason yeah. and um You know, but that's why I started this company. So we, uh, we give the private industry the privacy that they require, but we get actuaries and defense and intel industries or agencies, the um, APT. That's a, that's just a fancy DOD word for the bad guys. Their, their behavior, Uh, advanced (laughs) persistent threat. It's, you know, the major,
1: four major threat actors. Uh, but what I take away from it, it's super complex, super tech heavy. Uh, and I'm, I'm uh, also, um, uh, we have a strong relationship with the Israeli cybersecurity scene. And uh, I mean, it's like super complex. And uh, that's what I take away from all these topics. Uh, and uh, I do. And, sometimes it's easy from outsider to understand oh if this uh, is is it, a, is it a good solution or not but in cyber you need to be like a super expert to understand okay what's going on there so uh, that's why I always say okay uh, uh, my my competency ends here somewhere uh, and um, my question to, to you is uh, you run uh, in uh and um, aggregators uh, our comparison sites uh, in Europe have a long tradition um, and have uh you know, had uh, a path of destruction in the insurance industry left behind, especially when it comes to pricing. Uh, I think every car um, insurance um, c-suit uh, around here is now crying a little bit. Um, wh- wh- tell us a little bit more about Insurify, and especially, uh, um, yeah, what what is the effect in the US? What do you see there?
0: Yeah. So Insurify is an online uh, digital platform. Our goal is to uh, digitize insurance and digitalize the online shopping experience and uh, give the users the power to make the best decisions about their coverage as well as about their insurance with leveraging artificial intelligence and advanced And we have been um, very surprised of how open and eager carriers across the United States are eager to participate. And I think that there are um, a couple of trends that are happening. Um, There are two main direct consumer carriers in the United States, so they're winning the most of the share of the direct-to-consumer market, and almost all other carriers are struggling. In fact... Majority of the carriers are losing about 5% market share year over year to the direct-to-consumer channel. And they're not capable capable or not very advanced in the way they're customers online, while 75% of their users are searching for insurance online. So they see us as a way of attracting super high quality, super high intent users that they will otherwise have no access to. So as much as there is... Um, there, some of them might be concerned about what that will look like in the next five to ten years. All of them need us because of growth and because of the ability to be able to attract customers that they'll otherwise never be able to um, to manage.
1: Super, super, super interesting. Um, one one question uh, I, I'm I'm wondering about. We talked about the investor scene a little bit where you shared your uh, experiences. Um, share a little bit more about the insurance industry, but because both of you partner with them, uh, what is there your experience? Is it does it play a role when you, when when you know the CEO um, is female, or do you say yeah? Well, what is your experience there? Uh, f- the insurance industry is risk adverse and very slow. <laughs> But that's general news. We are that for everybody. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, newsflash. Um, but the corporate arms, the innovation arms, have been great. Um, it's it's slow, faster than the government though. So I have no complaints.
0: Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, we we have been able to attract capital from uh, some of the top. Um, corporate VCs in the United States, including Nationwide and Mass Mutual, yeah. And we have seen them as a source of great ideas, innovation, and really being our eyes and ears of everything that is happening, not only within their sort of mature, large companies, but also everything that is insure tech. So my advice is, in fact, uh, for a lot of the insure tech partners to find ways to partner and to be a little bit more open-minded of yeah. also attracting capital from the corporate VCS because they could be also your future acquirers.
1: Yeah, totally totally. Um, yep yeah, yeah, sorry please
2: this quick quick add on it, that's hundred percent accurate, so true. and um, I think also um, corporate VCS are, are for insurance companies that, you know they're more serious and therefore higher integrity uh, you get jerked around a lot less. I wish I would have known that earlier in our fundraising we work with Liberty Mutual they're awesome I mean they're just super smart super high integrity um very thorough um
1: just a great a great partner I mean you you you, you all three are super deeply rooted in the insurance and introtech ecosystem um also concerning like the startup side of it what do you kind what do you what do you think the next 12 months will happen do you have a feeling or uh do you have a hope there
3: yeah, I mean, I, I can share what we've observed. Um, and it is, it is quite similar to what's happening in banking and FinTech, which is now that workforces have been moved to remote. So there's the, the employee digitization that combined with by force because of COVID having to communicate digitally with customers and agents. Um, my, my hope and expectation is that the learning is, wow, this is not only a better customer and employee experience, Um, but this is actually more cost effective, right? So in the end, if you have more customers using, you know, the Geico mobile app or getting notifications or building a better relationship because now, you know, Allstate has returned, um, you know, hundreds of millions of premiums to those not on the road. You know, I think there's some some silver linings that hopefully can uh, sustain. I hope that we don't go back to paper shuffling and needing to meet in person because I think... What I'm hearing from a lot of the insurers is, wow, we thought that that was going to be, you know, a 24-month item on the roadmap, but it just so happens we were able to do it in two months. So it's been yeah. pretty spectacular to see just sheer digitization take, you know, two months <laughs> instead of 24. And I think education is part of it. Um, you know, just telling customers we've got this app. Here's what it can yeah. do. Just fundamentally, this is what you can do online. I think that there needs to be more of that. And seeing it um, in on-air advertising little by little, but to me that's just an incredible opportunity, um, the future of insurance.
1: We have, we have the first questions coming in, but I think it goes in the, the same direction. We have Raul asking here, um, what do you think insurance should do to be faster, but I think it has also to do with what is going to happen the next month, but maybe you can combine it, uh, Gendry and Sineja. Who, who wants to go first? Do I? I- Go. I have, Sorry, I should As a as a good that was bad moderating. I should have said, Gentry, please, you're going to go first. Sorry.
2: <laughs> um, make decisions faster, streamline decision making.
0: Yeah. Uh, so what we have seen is that uh, carriers, similar to what Jen mentioned, are taking the whole uh, idea about digitization much more seriously. A lot of our carrier partners have shifted enormous amounts of money into digitization of their every platform across every single industry that they support. Um, We have one of our major carriers that have announced 500 million initiative for digitization. Uh, The reality though is that the customers on the personal side were already online and the pandemic just made it more profound and more clear that they have to jump on the online distribution uh, wagon because otherwise they're gonna be left even further behind. Um, More and more customers are at home and they're more interested in saving uh, money for their insurance premium. So uh, platforms like ours um, are actually having a great time during a very hard times because um, we've seen an enormous growth over the last few uh, months. Um, with more and more people looking for
3: savings. Yeah, and also I would say um, I can see why you would grow so rapidly, right, with pure digitization, more awareness, word of mouth also I'm sure is helping. And then what I'm hearing is because everything has moved more digitally, there are more um, cyber attacks happening, whether on the consumer Mm -hmm. side, small business, um, and so that's a lot of opportunity, obviously, gentry for you. um, Yeah. And and, I mean, your phone must be ringing off the hook, so to speak. Yeah, unfortunately COVID has been great for us. Um,
2: (laughs) But uh, yeah, likewise. And I think there's a bit of an educational aspect. I think uh, some companies don't understand what they're up against. Um, If you're in the crosshairs of a nation state cyber army and every uh, financial insurance or every part of the financial industry is, there's just, there's nothing you can do. Um, You're outnumbered and they'll get in. The best thing that you can do is find them the minute they do get in, which is of course, shameless plug here. This is what our software does. And uh, it's just um, also assume human error. Now that your employees are working from home, um, assume that there's gonna be mistakes and and more ways to, or attack vectors, as we say, more ways for the, the bad guys to get in.
1: One, one question comes from uh, from an, uh, yeah, an insurer here from, from Germany. It says, what's your perception on the European B2B cyber market with uh, small and mid-sized enterprises? Maybe it's a little bit, are we behind or not? Um, or do you have like a take on that? Or what could we do better? It comes from Stefan. Stefan, thank you very much for that question.
2: Yeah, that's a great question. So I hate the cybersecurity industry. Um, they have this model where... Uh, they're not there to solve the big problems. They're there yeah. to sell you solutions. Like you have a problem, we'll sell you a solution. And is that solving the big problem? No, because the biggest companies in the world are still getting breached. Like C- Citibank last week. It, I've been in there, not specifically Citibank, but I've been in the SOX, uh, Secure Operations Centers of the biggest financial institutions. They're they look like the NSA. These people know what they're doing and they still can't keep the bad guys out. And it's because like, imagine the, um, the Chinese cyber army has yeah. 300,000 people in it. So 300,000 people wake up every day and try and figure out how to break into your, your systems. They'll, they, when your number is up, they will, they will get in. So, um, again, cybersecurity is there. are just, again, they're not solving for the big problem. So I just, I, I started this company to be to approach this totally differently. Like, we're yeah. trying to get everybody on the same page in a cohesive uh, battle plan, a strategy.
1: I could, so uh, there, every- more, there are more questions coming in. Uh, so, sorry for interrupting. There are more questions mm-hmm. coming in, uh, but time is running out. It's unbelievable how time flies. If you have, you know, insurance nerds talking insurance topics. Um, <laughs> My, my last question uh, and, uh, that's a great uh, privilege of the moderator you can you know <laughs> ask whatever you want my last one is uh, coming back to where we started the uh, female founders in Intertech, Um what would you recommend uh, uh, young women in the insurance industry or super young uh, teenagers or my my daughter for example what would you recommend them uh, if they would make it in the in this world maybe Gendry, you start
2: uh- Well, you have to work twice as hard to be taken half as seriously. Know that going in um, and uh, stick with the women. And wherever you are in your career, you can help other women advance.
1: Since what do you say?
0: My advice is for the younger generation, uh, build core skills, uh, build math skills, build engineering skills. You could go in your career in any possible way and do everything that you would like to do in the world if you have the core capabilities and skills. Once you grow up and you graduate, then and you're looking to enter into the insurance industry, um, my advice similar to Gentry, Build a thick skin and level set your expectations that it might take longer, things might take their time, and some of it might be because of you being female, but some of it could be just because the industry is really slow moving. So just set the expectations and, and always keep um, uh, keep track when they're like the, the North Star of where you want to be and where you're going, because there will be a lot of challenges on the way, but surround yourself with a good support structure both families as well as entrepreneurs, and try to keep each other um, through any potential hardships that you might go through, and ultimately focus on the end goal, um, which is building a sustainable business.
1: And and Jennifer, what what do you say to that?
0: Yeah, those
3: are both awesome answers. Um, I would just add, um, find your mentors. Always have a mentor that has your back, that can give you advice, whether it's tough love or or just opening doors um i know that's helped me in my career and and candidly my mentors were male they were not female um so be open to that um and then the second thing is if you want to build a business solve a real problem and if you're convinced do the math do the homework be prepared and if you're solving a problem the, the support will come the customers will come um and just don't let uh hard questions knock you down and, and uh, you know, detract from your confidence. Because I think that's a part of what in the tech world um, is lacking on um, the confidence side. So build the confidence and know your stuff.
1: Jennifer, snegina Gentry, thank you very much. Also, thank you very much out there that watched us today. Thank you for the questions. Uh, and we see us next week. Thank you very much.